Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Stories of old have great meaning for us. Throwback is a series looking at the lives of biblical characters from long ago and how we still face the same challenges today. Hopefully we can learn from them, avoid some of their mistakes, and repeat some of their victories. Just as Jesus took 12 ordinary men and raised them up to be apostles who changed the world, just as Abraham had 318 trained men in his household, and just as Paul took a young man, Timothy, and raised him up to pastor the church in Ephesus. Here at Grace Life, we also believe the best model for finding ministry leaders is not hiring based on a resume, but raising up within our own family, helping each other to become all that God has called us to be. So... For these three weeks, we're giving this opportunity to some of the young men God is raising up here at Grace Life. I'm asking you to join me and extend your best support and encouragement. Let's clap for them, let's shout for them, and let's show them how much we believe in them and all that God is doing in their lives. Welcome to Grace Life. Stop it. Cut it out. Welcome to Grace Life this morning. First, I want to say thank you for all the dads out there. If you're a dad, we love you. We thank you. Give it up for all the dads out there. Second, I just want to say thank you for Pastor Jimmy and, man, the elders, the team, the the staff here. It's just amazing. I love Grace Life. About a year ago, uh, God told my wife that we should start going to Grace Life, and I didn't agree. And I was was on staff at another church, and and we kind of double-dipped a little bit. We would be here, we'd be there. And man, I have found so much freedom. Our marriage has become stronger. I love you guys. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak. Give it up for Grace Life and the team. Who believes that God has something great in store for them? Anybody? Man, I I would love to, I wish we could just go around the room and just hear some of the stories that you feel like God's put on your heart. I had a dream so big when I was a kid that I wanted to preach on a stage. And I'm not talking about a little stage with, you know, 50 people, 100 people. And, and, you know, being as young as I am, still a millennial, I wanted to be the next Billy Graham. And that's kind of weird. You know, who remembers Billy Graham in here? Most of the kids probably don't. Uh, and I said, you know, I wanted to speak in this big auditorium, these big stages. I want to be at Colonial Life Arena. I wanted to be at the Gamecocks Stadium right there preaching. That's what God, I felt like the Lord was calling me to do. And that was confirmed over the years. I had a lot of friends who would say, hey, you know, you should be an, you would be an awesome kids minister. <laughs> no way. I do not want to be with kids. And then it was like, okay, you'd be a great youth pastor. I can see that. And people say, you should go on the mission field. And so I started to plan out my life. I think that's what we do. When we're, you know, young teens, we start to figure out what is God calling us to do? And we start to make those plans. And so my plans were, I'm going to graduate high school and I'm going to go to college. And I want to go to a big Christian college. I don't want to go to a small Christian college. I want to go to the Harvard of Christian colleges. You guys can guess which one that wants to be for you. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go to a seminary after that. And I was going to go to seminary. I was going to get my doctorate. And then I was going to go into youth ministry because that's where all young pastors start, right? They just throw them in with kids and say, hey, go bend your necks. You better watch out. And uh, they say, you're going to go work with kids. That's what you're going to do. And then when you get in your late 30s, you can start a church. And, and so we started to plan out this. So mine was go to college, go to seminary, be a youth pastor, get married. After getting married, then I would probably settle down and actually go into the mission field because I've always had a calling for mission, and I started to plan this. I'm telling you, it, it wasn't this little dream that I felt like the Lord put in my heart. It was this big dream. 
It was, it was ginormous, and nobody understands it, and everybody that I would tell would just say, good luck, good luck. And, and I had this dream, so I started to plan it out. And guess what? I made it to college. Yeah. I didn't make it to seminary. I made it to youth ministry, yeah. and I found a girl. She's right here. Yeah. Look, isn't she beautiful? Get up for my wife. And I started to make these plans, and I think some of you are in the same boat. God's called you to do something maybe little, maybe big. And in some eyes, maybe it's little for me, but maybe it's ginormous for you or the impact that you're going to make throughout the years. Maybe it's the best father you can be, especially Father's Day. I think there's people out here who said that God put a special heart and said, hey, you're going to be the best dad ever, and you're going to change a generation. You're going to change a community. You're going to change your family. Maybe that it's you're the best boss that you can be. Maybe you want to be a multimillionaire. You want to own your own company so you can give to the kingdom of God that you can uh, you know, maybe feed the homeless. Maybe you can do extra things with your money and you say, I want to be the best boss that I can be so I can do that. Maybe you just want to be the best teacher. I hated school. You know, the only thing I liked about school, having a good teacher. <laughs> Who liked having a good teacher? Yeah. And maybe God calls you to be the best teacher that you can be that you can change this generation and, and show them what a godly example is. Maybe it's a little bit more complex. Maybe you want to change the city of Columbia. Maybe you want to change South Carolina. Maybe you want to change the United States of America. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe you want to help the homeless get off the street. I saw the coolest thing. Who's into the tiny houses? In Detroit, they're making communities and neighborhoods of tiny houses and giving them to homeless people. Isn't that cool? And, And, you know, I believe that God created somebody 20, 30, 40 years ago and said, you're going to do something big in Detroit. Just get ready. And they, they make these houses, they give them to homeless people to get off the street. Maybe you're say, you say, you know what, I want to see people who are in prison come to know the Lord. And God gives you these dreams. The Bible says very clearly that uh, before I knew you, in, or before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. How awesome is that? That you were set apart. But here's the thing that happens, life happens. And you just say, well, man, I made these plans, God. What, what happens? Maybe something that you've done has disqualified you, and you say, I'm not good enough. Or I, I, I can never do that because of my past. Maybe it's something that's happened to you. Maybe something happened to you, you say, you know what? I'm disqualified from what the Lord wants me to do because of that. How did you let that happen? I want to talk to you about Samson. I made a joke. I'm going to go ahead and say it. If you want to hear a great sermon on Samson, you should have went to the nine. It will be recorded. Matt did a great job at the nine service. And so uh, mine will be good, but listen to Matt's on Tuesday or Wednesday when it comes out. I'm just kidding. But Samson, God called Samson to do something great. Listen, God, God goes to Samson's parents. And I'm going to paraphrase. This is a big old story, and I just want to hit the last bit of his life. But if I don't tell you the whole story, you'll, you won't understand it. So God goes to Samson's parents and his mother. They can't have kids. They're trying to have kids. And an angel appears before her. And, and he says, hey, listen, you're going to have a son. And this is what he's going to do. He's going to free Israel from the Philistines. Let me give you a backup story. The Philistines just captured Israel. And this is before Israel had kings. So they didn't have King David or King Saul yet. They didn't have kings. They had judges. Samson is the 12th judge that ruled over Israel, that watched over Israel. And so he goes to the parents before Samson's even thought of, before he's ever dreamt of. He says, hey, I'm going to give you a son. And this is what you're going to do he's going to become a Nazarite, even before birth. So mom, this is what you have to do. You can't cut his hair when he's born. You got to stop drinking alcohol, you alcoholic. Just kidding. She's not an alcoholic. But you got to stop drinking alcohol. You can't drink anything strong, and you can't go near anything unclean or dead. 
And so she sets that up, and he says, because your son's going to free Israel from the Philistines. Man, my mom's here. Mom, why didn't God or an angel come to you and say what I'm going to do? Because I've been trying to figure this out for 28 years, and they made it so easy for Samson. Hey, this is what your son's going to do, and hey, this is what he has to do. And we're all in this world guessing, God, what do we do? Where are we at? How, how do we move on? If, if something happens to us, where do we go? So I want to tell you the story about Samson and how easily he ran off the path that God had for him. Um, I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this, so be, or bear with me. In chapter 14, uh, Samson went down to Timnah to the Philistines and found a Philistine that he wanted to marry. He rushes back home and tells his mom and dad that he found a woman which he wanted to marry. Uh, it, uh, pause right here for a second. A Philistine, isn't that what God said that he was going to deliver him from? And he's hanging out in the camp of the enemy. And he says, and he takes those parents to Timnah, and that's where we're going to start in verses 5. And be up on the screen with me. Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards. And behold, a young lion came towards them, roaring. And then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon them. And although they had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion to pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father and mother what he had did. And then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. Verses 8. After some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on, eating and went. And when he came to his father and mother and gave them some, they ate. But he did not tell him where he scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. That's the first thing. You know, remember, there's three things that a, a Nazarite can't do. They can't cut their hair. They can't go near anything dead, anything unclean, and they can't drink any strong, uh, strong alcohol, any, anything like that. Matt said earlier in the first service that it was a, a hipster, vegan, what was it? A gluten-free hipster vegan, which I think is <laughs> hilarious. So if you want to be a Nazarite, that's what you got to be. Uh, so... There's the first thing that he already did. He went near something dead, and not only did he go near something dead, he ate from it, and then he fed it to other people. And God's calling him to be set apart, and he's already messing up what he's called to do. Then we're going to jump over to Judges 16, where Samson finds a prostitute named Delilah, and he falls in love with her. So this is already another woman, and to give you a backstory, uh, he got married, then he decided, that, you know, something happened with that whole thing, and the father of the bride gave his, gave his wife away, said, hey, you can have her little sister. Here you go. And so he takes her little sister for a little bit. And now he finds Delilah a couple chapters later. And uh, the, the Philistines find out that Delilah and Samson have this attraction. She, they go, hey, Delilah, why don't you seduce our friend Samson and figure out where his strength comes from? And when he made this Nazarite vow from birth, God gave him special tools, gave him special giftings. He's strong. And when I picture Samson... If you watch the Bible on TV, they had this big old buff guy with long dreads, and he just looked super strong. I don't picture Samson like that. I would like to, but I picture Samson probably, you know, 5'11". We'll give him a little bit of height, but he's probably really skinny. And why do we say he's skinny? And this is what I believe is if he was big and buff, we would know where his muscle and strength come from, right? So it has to be something supernatural that the God, God's doing in his life. And they say, all right, Delilah, we'll pay you 100 or 1,100 pieces of silver to find out where his strength comes from. And we're going to pick it up. And so he ends up sleeping with Delilah. And Delilah's, I, I picture it just like this. 
Samson's laying in Delilah's lap, and they're there one night, and she's playing with his hair and maybe rubbing his shoulders. And she says, oh, Samson, tell me where your strength comes from. And, you know, you ever had a pretty girl rub your shoulders or your hair? Your wife? Uh, I mean, you're just all like, oh, and you get these butterflies, and you think you're in love. And he's like, should I fall for it? And so he lies, and he says, listen, if you bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, uh, that have never been dried, I shall become weak like any other man. And so what Delilah does is Delilah tells the Philistines, hey, come around here, get close, and I'm going to try this. And if it works out, I- I'm going to scream, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And if it works, and he he's, turns into, just like any other man, weak. I'm not weak. What am I saying? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he, he turns weak, then you, you guys can ambush him. And you can take him. So they try it, right? And so she binds him up while he's sleeping, And she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he gets up and he breaks them off and he runs out the house. So you think that's the end of that story? Because I hope I'm smart enough to not go back to a woman who just tried something on me. And you have to think, okay, so I just told this woman I would become weak if you did this. And she tried it. But guess what? He goes back probably the next day. She must have been really pretty. So number two, she goes, why would you trick me like that? Why would you lie to me? Why can't you just tell me the truth? And he says, okay, I'll tell you the truth. And he lies. He says this. He says, if you buy me with new ropes that have never been used, I shall become weak like any other man. So guess what? As she's rubbing his shoulders and his hair to get him to sleep, and he falls asleep, she binds him up with these seven ropes. And the next thing you know, she says, Samson, Samson, wake up. The Philistines are upon you. And guess what happens? He breaks out of the ropes, and he goes running out. You think the story would end there? I hope... I, I, it's Father's Day, and I'm talking about a horrible opportunity for a man to be a bad dad, because this guy blew it, not once, not twice, not even three times, we're going to go into that one here in a second, but you would think, okay, if I got stuck with this woman two days in a row, and you're, you're choosing to be with her, and, and she's trying to make you weak, you would question, why would you even go back? So third says, okay, Samson, stop lying to me, just tell me the truth, what's going on? How are you so strong? And he says, if you weave the seven locks of my head, uh, and sorry, if you weave the seven locks of my head, web them and tighten them with a pin, I should become weak like any other man. Guess what? She does it. And, and so he gets up, and she, well, she screams. She says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he gets out, and he runs, and he breaks free. After the third time, you would literally have to say he must be stupid. I'm sorry to say that. What's going on in your head, Samson, that you want to keep going back to a woman who's trying to make you weak? And he goes back, maybe a couple days. Hopefully, I'll give him a couple days. Maybe he said, I'm going to wait like two or three days. Maybe she'll get over this trying to figure out what makes me weak. But he goes back. And he says, she says, Samson, please tell me the truth. And, you know, maybe he fell in love. Maybe she was gorgeous. Maybe she was beautiful. Maybe he thought that that was exactly what God wanted him to be with was this woman I don't know what his thought process was. I just hope I would never do anything silly like that. The fourth one, she, she finally says, listen, I'll tell you the truth. A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. And if my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak like any other man. We're going to pick up and uh, this is Judges 16 verses 18. When Delilah saw that he had told her with all of his heart, she sent and called out to the lords of the Philistines saying, Come up again, for he has told me with all of his heart. Then the Lord of the Philistines came up to her and brought her the money in in hand. 
And she made him sleep on her knees. That's why I think she's probably rubbing his hair and his back. And she called a man and had him come shave the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he woke up from his sleep and said, I will go out like all the other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison, but the hair on his head began to go back. It's an awesome part. We're going to skip over a couple of verses to 28. Verses 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O oh Lord God, please remember me. Please strengthen me only this once. O oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed with all of his strength, and the house fell upon him and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead who he, who, oh, sorry, the dead whom he killed at his life were more than those he killed during his life. At his death, sorry, more than his life. Wow. Wow. Man, what a point. I don't know if I could even choose to try that one. If I got my out, if, if I was Brandon, or if I was Samson, you know, right now, and that all happened to me, and I was sitting right there, and would I even try to push the pillars and to see what would happen? Would I, would I even call out to the Lord? I would probably be too ashamed to call out to the Lord. And, and, and if I did call out to the Lord, it wouldn't be to let me have a revenge. It would be, please save me. Give me my eyes back. Like, help me go, you know, get out of this mess. Let me do something. I, I don't know if I would have the courage to say, okay, God, let's do something here. I want to go back to my own story. So I told you, I went to college. I was here, actually, in a youth pastor in, in Irmo, right, right across downtown, and um, I thought I was doing exactly what the Lord wanted me to do. And, and something happened where I got fired, and man, I, I, I deserved it 100%, and, but it rocked my world. It put me in a point questioning, how did I get to this place? And, and it's everything I ever wanted. Let me give you a quick story. In fifth grade, my teacher made us write a paragraph on what we wanted to be, and she said, we're going to hang this out on the wall, and so everybody can see it. And I wrote this paragraph, and the very first part of the big old top, it says, uh, I want to be a pastor, all right? And I put this up there, and every time we walked by, people would laugh at me, and I didn't realize why they laughed at me. And one day, someone said, you know you spelled pastor wrong, right? And I, pa I spelled pastor with an E-R instead of an O-R, and I was super embarrassed, and every time I walked by there, I was like, man, I blew it. And, and that's how serious I felt this calling was upon my life, that even in fifth grade and before, that I wanted to do something great, and I got to a point where I blew it. And I said, okay, I, I don't know what to do. And I got, at first I got mad at myself. You know, how could I do this? I started beating myself up. I started thinking, you know, you're worthless. You're not good enough. You're never going to go back to where you were. You got to start all the way back over. You're done for. And, and it was a breaking point for me of like, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I get out of this? How do I get rid of these feelings? And I think some of you guys are in that point too. And, and the second thing that happened to me is I got mad at God. I caught myself saying, God, how could you let this happen to me? I started blaming God. You know, if you know everything, God, how did you, why did you let me do this? Why did you put me in a situation? And then the, the enemy was really good and distracted me and say, okay, it's not just you, God did this. And I got bitter, I got frustrated, I got upset. And I said, how did I get to a point 
where, where I'm not doing what you want me to do anymore. And it broke me. Man, and I think you guys all have that same feeling here. I, the enemy's good. The enemy, he will distract us so well. And he takes the blame and he puts it on other things so that we don't see it's on us. And we don't say, okay, God, what can we do? The enemy's like, oh, no, God did that to you or so-and-so did that to you. And we all have a story to tell because God knew us before we were born and he put a, play, a plan in place for every single one of us. And as we sit here, we try to go through life and something happens and we get caught up. And we say, man, where do we go from here? How, how do we keep going? Two things I want to stop at. The first one, and pull that up on the screen, it's not too late. You know, Samson had a very good calling. He had, a, he had a very good calling. It was early on in life, and he knew exactly what he wanted to do. God placed it right there, sent an angel to his mother and said, hey, this is what your son's called to do, and this is what he has to do to do it. And man, how easy would life be if we knew those steps? And, and so afterwards, after even he tried to marry a woman, ended up getting with her sister, then ended up finding Delilah, and then he gets his eyes gouged out. He's a prisoner. They're making fun of him. And it's not too late that he still can call upon the Lord. And what a cool testimony that is that he killed more at his death than he did while he was alive. And, and God even said, you know, then we got a question like, okay, God, if, if that's not what you wanted Samson to do, why would you send an angel to his mother and uh, say, you know, hey, your son's going to start the freedom of Israel from the Philistines. And, and so we, we have to wonder, God, did you know what you were doing that whole time? Did, did you know that Samson was going to go through this? And, and, you know, Samson still delivered Israel from the Philistines with his death. And the second, God still has a plan. Like I said, do you really think you surprised God? Do you really think that, you know, God didn't know exactly what you were going to do? Do you think that when you took a right instead of a left, God says, oh no, what did you do? Why would you do that? No, God knew you were going to do that. Man, the, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. One of the biggest things that, that I got over the past couple of weeks here at Grace Life is during that question and answer, Jimmy was talking about the laws in, in Leviticus and he said, if Jesus died for your sins before, and, and if you're free from that, you're free from everything. And, and the enemy distracts you all the time. And he says, well, you know, when you ask the Lord to come into your life that first time, yeah, he forgave you for all that, but you keep doing stuff. No, God forgave you for the first one. He forgave you for the second one. He forgives you for what you're gonna do tomorrow. It's not too late. And God still has a plan. And that all we have to do is call upon him and say, Lord, Lord, save me, help me. I really genuinely believe that God has something special for every single one of you. And sometimes, you know, we, we might blow it and we might feel like it's never going to work out, but God still has a plan. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. Some of you guys in here might say, well, I don't know what God's plan is because you never had that relationship with him. And, and this morning, I, I really believe that God wants to show you his plan and his purpose and his destiny for every single one of you, that all you have to do is ask. So if you guys can, I, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I want you to repeat this after me. If this is your first time, you say, I, I don't have a relationship with the Lord and I would like one. I would like to know what the plan and the purpose is that God has for me. I want you to, to pray this simple prayer with me and we can talk to you afterwards. 
but as you can, bow your heads and close your eyes. Repeat after me. Father God, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for loving me for who I am. God, I thank you for second and third and fourth chances. God, as I surrender my life to you, I pray you take it and put a purpose and a plan and a destiny in my life. God, forgive us of our sins. God, I want to live for you. God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.